Madison is not a welcoming space. Um, like, I mean, we're on stolen land, <laughs> like, and that's not even acknowledged first. Um, and it's it's tough. Just my my office overlooks Lake Mendota, and in the summertime, it's a it's just an algae pit out there. Yeah. And you see that it just is not going to quit growing. There is a a little bit of you know NIMBY or not in my backyard viewpoints in Madison that I find uh, where you know people really want everything to be perfect and they want inclusiveness but they they aren't willing to sort of suffer or take any um, you know lower anything that's going on with them to sort of help make that happen. Once you start to put police officers, metal detectives, all of those things into the school, guess what? You sh- you create an atmosphere where people start to become much more aggressive, much more angry, much more violent. This past spring, groups of people in the Madison community have gotten together, talking with each other and learning about each other's lives. The clips that you just heard are snippets from these conversations, which is part of a project called the Local Voices Network. Today on the Mad Splainers, we're going to be talking about what that project is. I'm Abby Becker, and I'm a reporter for the Cap Times. I'm Lisa Speckard Pask, and I'm the Metro Reporter. I'm Eric Lawrenson, and I write about technology and culture for the Cap Times. And we are the Mad Splainers. So, what exactly is the Local Voices Network? Well, to help explain, let's talk a little bit about a conversation that we here at the Cap Times had, right here in our headquarters as part of the LVN project. So please just share your first name and a little bit of background info about who you are, like where you live or what you do. Ooh, all right. Um, I'm Eric. I'll share my full name, Eric Lawrenson. I'm a reporter with the Capital Times. I report on technology and culture. I suppose a value that is important to me and that has sort of informed how I ended up in journalism is, for lack of a better way of describing it, I guess, open-mindedness. I am really interested in learning, learning about new frameworks, new perspectives, new ways of thinking about things. We all got into a room. There were six journalists. We sat down. Um, there were, we had a moderator asking us questions. And in the center of the table, there was the hearth, which we'll talk a little bit about later on. Um, that ended up recording our conversations. Kathy Kramer, the author of The Politics of Resentment, uh, moderated our conversation. She is a key partner in this initiative here in Madison. So you may know Kathy pretty well from her book, The Politics of Resentment, which focused on um, the lack of communication and, and, and the resentment, um, you know, among people in, in rural Wisconsin. Uh, it was interesting to talk with her about her work and then how that work sort of led into um, the Local Voices Network. And she explained to us that she's really trying to fill the gap in conversation, in understanding with people. Through her research um, for The Politics of Resentment, um, she really experienced that gap in communication firsthand. And this LVN project is sort of, a, um, I would say, a more solutions-focused effort to, to bridge those conversations and to bring people together so that we can all learn from each other. Where it came from really was a shared concern um, among uh, 
folks at the Laboratory for Social Machines at MIT, which is led by scientists by the name of Deb Roy, um, and uh, a nonprofit that he and others have created called Cortico, uh, which is an organization that basically helps deploy the things that LSM, this laboratory at MIT, create. Um, and our shared concerns were about just the nature of communication in our democracy and the way we talk um, to each other, but more importantly, the way we listen or don't listen to each other. So obviously the goal here is constructive conversation, but also to hear from voices you might not normally hear from. And so what they want to do with those voices then is make them available to the media, to public officials, and also to other people in the community to engender that, you know, cross-community understanding. So we got to talk about like how they do this, though. And we talked about there was a recorder in the room in the conversation we were in. Um, Eric, you want to tell us about that recorder or how this works? So in Madison, which has been one of the first communities where LVN has been implemented by this team, there is a, a network of volunteers. These volunteers find small groups of people, bring them into a home, a community center, a church, wherever they can just sit down and have about an hour-long conversation about their lives, about community issues. Most importantly here, at least in terms of you know the, the framework of how this project works, there is a little device sitting in the middle of the table a small cylinder um, with a kind of a wooden exterior. It looks very like homey and, you know, it's called the hearth. So the hearth is, um, it's like the size of a hug is really uh, maybe a good way to describe it. When you sort of put your arms out and pretend you're hugging someone, it's a little smaller than that, but it's a piece of wood and fabric. It's like very simple beauty to it and um, it's a beautiful cherry wood, and um, <laughs> you can see how, mu- how much we love these things. They really have sort of taken on a personality of their own in a way. I mean, there's 12 in the city right now, and they live – this is the way we talk about them. They live in the public libraries. It has a comforting presence. a very kind of a comforting feel, like you're gathering in a – And in it a, glows different colors, like when glows, it's recording yeah. or when it's playing back other audio. It's very comforting. The design for this thing was really meant to evoke that feeling of comfort. It's not some iPod-y, techy, kind of sleek, shiny, yeah. fancy thing. It's it's something that fosters an intimate conversation. Even, the, even the name, the hearth, is so nice. And yeah. yeah. And the hearth is a place that you gather around. And I think that's yeah. really trying what they're what they're getting at here is wanting people exactly. to, to gather around and communicate with each other. Exactly. So this device has been engineered to be very good at recording a room full of people. And that's what it does. It records the conversation that happens. That conversation wraps up. What happens next is that recording gets taken. It gets transcribed. That transcription is uploaded to a website that serves as a repository for all these conversations that are happening in the community. Lisa, you've been on this website You've been looking at it. How does it work? What does it look like? Yes, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, not only do you have full transcripts of conversations, which is awesome, but that alone would not be super useful, but they are searchable, which is great. So you can either um, 
search for conversations by where they took place, by who facilitated them, or you can search by topic. You can say, you know, put affordable housing in there in the search bar, for instance, and it'll pop up all these conversations where people referred to affordable housing. Also, if you look at one conversation, there's this cool little chart of kind of what people were talking about through the conversation or like what words were coming up the most. So you can kind of track how a conversation goes. There's just a lot of different ways to examine what people are talking about. I think personally for me, the most useful part is the searchable capability (laughs) to know like, hey, what are people saying about Madison's racial issues? Then you put in like racial equity or diversity and then there, lo and behold, people are talking about this kind of thing. That is really cool that it's not just a database or repository. It's also like it gives you information. Like yes. An, and an analytical actually, information about what people are talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. And you can actually, I should mention too, you can hear the audio. So it's not just not just the words, but you can hear people and the tones that they're using when they're talking. And that's accessible like publicly. You just have to sign up to get access. But then um, you, Joe on the street, can go look at all these conversations. So what's what's nice about this, right, is that it's making conversations permanent, not just something that happens and then people think about for maybe a day and then never think about again, um, which is something that participants have valued, and Kathy told us about that. So in another group of students of color on the UW-Madison campus, one woman, an African-American woman, said, you know, we get, talk, we get asked to talk about our views a lot, she said, but it's so nice to do this and know that my thoughts aren't going to just evaporate. Mm-hmm. That like the fact that they're being recorded and and archived sounds like putting them away a little bit too much. It's not quite the right word. It's like being recorded and made visible, made hearable. Yeah, in Madison, I think we have a lot of conversations. We talk a lot. Yeah. Um, we we share um, you know concerns about about these issues, about racial disparities, climate change, transportation. You know, all these very important issues. Like Lisa was saying, what is different about this is that it does create something permanent so we can access these um, these conversations. Um, and, you know, these don't just, you know, kind of go away and drift off into the atmosphere. We have them. We can look at them. We can do something about them. Also, we should say, because I was just thinking, oh, if you say something really stupid, it is there forever. But most people only are identified by their first name for our conversation because we were Cap Times employees, we were like, well, I might as well just say our full name. So. And yeah. participants also provide um, their permission yeah, uh, to release. be recorded and to, to have their words you know, permanently put on, on this site. Let's talk a little bit about what it was like to be um, one of these groups having um, uh, this, this sort of dialogue. I will say that it certainly wasn't something that I was used to. It was, you know, obviously we're reporters. We're people who are usually the ones asking the questions. I don't know. It felt like almost a little bit vulnerable for me to be like, oh, gosh, yeah. Wow. This is what it's like to be (laughs) on the other side. Yeah, the tables were turning a little bit. I was kind of nervous going in just because, you know, to your point, Eric, we're the ones asking the questions usually. And so to be asked the questions and to answer them was a little nerve wracking. Um, But I mean, Kathy Kramer, I think really she put me at ease anyway. And I think that speaks to, you know, hopefully the, the skills of all of the moderators to be able to kind of create that welcoming atmosphere where everyone does feel safe to, to share their thoughts. Yeah. And so we should probably say like what what we were being asked about mm-hmm. was, um, you know, first it was just kind of like tell us about you and where you're from and kind of what you're a little more vulnerability, like what your values are and a story that illustrates mm-hmm. what your values are. But then we kind of moved into journalism and like what concerns us about journalism today and how we think LVN could be helpful. Um, so some of them were, you know, more professional questions, but some were 
pretty personal question. I think it blended yeah. those two a little bit. When I was talking about my values, I was kind of thinking about like my values as a journalist. Mm-hmm. I think we were all kind of wearing our journalist hat during this conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a very interesting blend of like reflecting on where our industry is at, where journalism is at today in Madison, and but from sort of a personal level too about how we've yeah. experienced it and our own sort of worries and concerns about, about that. I mean, I learned a lot about all my coworkers on table and I left being like, we should probably have conversations like this more often, <laughs> you know, just yeah. like about mm-hmm. what are we concerned about in our profession and like what is really important to us to bring to our job. Also, as a part of our conversation, we heard a clip from another conversation. Um, so Kathy Kramer on um, an iPod that's encased in sort of a triangle piece of wood that matches the hearth, um, selected a clip from a conversation that Judge Everett Mitchell, who was also a local pastor here in town, hosted at his church. I just don't think enough of us are sitting down talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that other people can hear how we think about these issues. They they think they understand what we our perspective, but I'm not always certain that they do. Right. You know, so when they be making policy decisions or even who they have in the room to listen to, I'm just like, that's not the way that our people are thinking about these issues. Right. They're like, no, all black people think like this. I'm like, no. How do you know? No, yeah, who are you talking to? <laughs> and um, so the idea there is is very critical to this whole. LVN project. And that is the idea of cross-pollination, right? So in all the conversations, moderators, um, facilitators will play a clip from another conversation. And the idea is to expose listeners to a new idea or to, um, you know, to people who have a different perspective um, and, and then, to, then to talk about it, right? To, um, to hear what they think of that clip, you know, what kind of emotion is it bringing up? Um, and, and really, I think it's to get to a, a deeper level of conversation and then to, to foster that connection across the community by being able to um, listen to other community members. But I mean, for cross-pollination to work, there has to be a diversity of groups of people to have these conversations, to introduce new perspectives and experiences. So Lisa, we asked Kathy a little bit about how exactly this project is going to find a diversity of participants. Can you tell us a little bit about how that exactly is going to work? Yeah, I was interested in how they were going to go about this specifically because, um, you know, talking to city staff from the city of Madison, this is an issue they come up with all the time. When they're trying to get public input for something, it's hard to get input from people who don't just have the free time and the means to get to a public meeting. Like you get a very narrow subset of the population when you have public meetings. So they have to, you know, think of brainstorm other ways to get out into the community and get feedback. So I was wondering how they went about this. Um, And Kathy really emphasized that this is something that they were thinking about from like day one. (laughs) This is something they really wanted to do. Really, we've addressed it by, I mean, we're addressing it on two levels. One is um, getting as wide array of people involved in the conversation core among these hosts as possible. Also bringing in people we, we now call recruiters who aren't facilitators, but they, they want to be centrally involved with LVN, but they want to be involved through reaching out to different communities. 
So we've got people in conversation. We've got a tool that records the conversations um, and a handy software system that we can search through. But just how are these going to be used? Well, from our perspective as journalists, we can use these to source story ideas and to listen to people from a different perspective. I've been going through them um, and learning more about where people are coming from, listening to people's concerns about the community. And I'm also listening. There's typically a question where the, the moderator asks participants, you know, what do you want people to take away from this? Right. What do you want public elected officials to know? And so I really like to listen for that because I think that really gets to the heart of what people want someone to do about about these concerns. And um, for me, that just helps me understand the community and also um, can, you know, sort of spark story ideas. I I think this is also something we all kind of acknowledged in our own LVN conversation, the you know, being able to listen in on conversations where we're not there. We truly are a fly on the wall where no one is the conversation isn't affected by yeah, us looking being nervously there. at our tape recorder or our taking notes of what they say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a different kind of conversation that we get to tap into. I, don't know, I think it provides me at least sort of more time to reflect. Um, and then, you know, after I've reflected, then I can figure out sort of what to do now in my role as a journalist now that I've learned about, you know, these perspectives. And, and you have already written several pieces about this. Yeah. Yeah. So the CAP Times, what we have done here, and this has been a group effort. So, so far we have um, identified four major themes that have come through these conversations, which have also come up um, as issues in in the mayor's race. Um, and these are, these are issues regarding transportation, climate change, um, racial disparities, and affordable housing and affordable housing. <laughs> yes, that's right. So so we did affordable housing first and then transportation. And the idea of what we're doing is we're just pulling um, a collection of clips, um, you know, from people who have been a part of these conversations. Um, and then those are just all collected together and they're on the website and in print. I mean, well, speaking of the election, this whole implementation in Madison was actually kind of timed to coincide with our spring elections. Part of the idea with LVN is that this is actually a tool that people running for office can use as well to hear what constituents are talking about, to hear about what they value, what they want to see happening in their community. So Kathy and company, they actually reached out to all the mayoral candidates in um, the spring primary to, you know, let them know about this tool to engage them on it, see if they'd be interested in using it. And uh, they got, you know, to some degree anyway, they got positive feedback. They, they heard from candidates that, yeah, this is actually kind of a helpful thing that we would definitely be interested in using. Yeah. And, and along with helping um, people understand what the public is looking for, it also helps the public better understand what they're looking for. Um, Kathy pointed out that if you if you pull some someone, you kind of get a sense of the bullet points of what they're thinking. But what she's seen happen in these conversations is that people realize what they're thinking through talking about it with other people. I mean, if you had asked me, what are your concerns about journalism? I would say, oh, I don't know, fake news, that kind of stuff. But in our conversation, it's more developed and drawn out. And then I come to a better understanding about what I'm concerned about even. Yeah. So along with, you know, this is for journalists, this is for candidates, this is for politicians, but it's also for us and for us to better understand people around us. As Kathy told us, this project is really about the power of listening, which was something she saw a great need for in her work writing the book, The Politics of Resentment. You know, I learned, obviously, 
studying the politics of resentment that there's so much misunderstanding amongst us, right? And the 2016 presidential election didn't need to happen to show me that. Like, well before 2016, I was realizing, oh, wow, people in rural Wisconsin really do think (laughs) professors, for example, professors at UW-Madison are a bunch of -of out-of-touch, elitist, (laughs) cold-hearted, lazy people. And, you know, on a personal level, I knew that to not be true. And I also knew in reverse that, wow, that my friends in, in Madison really don't, and myself included, don't understand what life is like in rural Wisconsin. So in all those ways, um, working on that book made me really hungry to use my own skills to try to connect people differently and better and to create something that enables us to to communicate differently and to understand one another. The LVM Project is in Madison right now, but it is expanding to the Bronx and New York and coming soon, hopefully, to Birmingham. Um, And as Kathy said, they're really hoping to expand this across Wisconsin and eventually across the United States by the time of the 2020 presidential election. So there's some big goals with this project. To listen and to learn more, to get signed up, you can visit lvn.org. You can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what else to say. That's all. That's good. That's great. That's all we need. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe to The Mad Splainers on iTunes or wherever else you find podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and subscribe to some of the other podcasts that The Cap Times produces, like The Corner Table, a food and dining podcast, or The Wedge Issues, which is our political podcast. We also have a great event coming up. It is a live recording of The Mad Splainers. It is Tuesday, April 9th at the high noon at 7 p.m. We're going to be analyzing election results, talking to some featured guests, including Alder Sherry Carter and Sabrina Madison, and we could also have the new mayor. And if you want to buy a ticket, you can buy it through the High Noon's website at high-noon.com. Catch us next time where we'll be talking about the election results. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.